hello to everyone out there. Welcome to Null Pointers. We are your hosts, Stephen, Gerald, and Mark. And today we will be talking about backgrounding in apps. So stay tuned. In the background. So before we get started on our main topic, I just want to know, are you guys filthy rich now that you sold all your GME stock for God knows how much money? Absolutely. I would have. You're both still here. so. <laughs> <laughs> but I bought this studio now. This is all mine. This is... Ah. Oh, wow. Yeah. wow. Yeah. I'll see yeah. myself out. Yeah. I really like <laughs> what you did with the floor. I really like Yes. That. It's all gold. Gold. Yeah. Gold everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I like the it's modest a bit, touches. Bit much. <laughs> <laughs> it's my face on every doorknob. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's just I just say it stayed so normal. So uh, it's, uh, the details matter, right? I mean, yeah, exactly, exactly. No, of course, you know, with any of these things. But I, I think you know, unless you were on that Reddit thread, um, then you would have probably known. But other than that, you know, it's one of those things where you go like, ah, oh, if only I would have known five minutes before but uh, yeah no yeah but i heard from one guy there is this i don't know if you know the podcast it's called uh, planet money and it's from npr so it's an american thing and they do like a lot of these economic things they explain it and they also uh went down this uh or the, and the last show they, they did explain how this phenomenon got started how people could outsmart the wall streets and how that mechanism that they used actually is used every day by Wall Street. And they interviewed that one guy who actually invested, I think, 300,000 or 30,000. I mean, what's the zero plus or minus there, right? I mean, if you just got that kind of cash lying around to gamble at the stock market. And he pulled out nearly 4 million. So he seems to have done this in the right moment to invest and then sell at the right time but if you are dear listener if you're into these stock market things as much as i am which is absolutely zero i can really recommend that episode because it explains to you how this actually got pulled off yeah it's uh it's no no i uh like gerald said when it was too late that's when i noticed it um and it it kind of rippled on into markets where i am sort of active which is crypto and like the the biggest meme coin in crypto pulled a 20x in a few hours which was dogecoin and obviously i didn't have any which makes sense because i mean it has absolutely zero uses which some people probably think of the entire crypto space but yeah there was a lot of a uh, lot of money made by a select few i would assume and a lot of money lost by way more people um, because this kind of stuff is, well, it, to me, it, it borders kind of on like, or borders, it's probably entirely illegal because you're basically just manipulating markets and all that stuff. But it's, it's crazy, or it's been a few crazy weeks actually since, to be honest. Yeah, because for the people who might not be in the loop, which is probably hard, but so I think that from what I understand from it, I have a little bit of knowledge, but not exactly. So from what I understand from it, like there's big hedge funds and they were already like anticipating on GameStop because GameStop is like a um, game shop where you could get games and whatever. They were anticipating on um, it going bankrupt, right? 
Um, mm-hmm. So they were they were kind of betting with their stock to, uh, you know, uh, that they would go bankrupt and whatever that would happen, they would make money out of it. Um, but then, like, I think they so they gathered on Reddit, uh, at least a couple of people as kind of a protest, like this is not how the world works and we can beat you at your own game. Um, they just collectively said like, okay, we are going to short all this stock, which basically means that you are um, going to borrow stock that you don't actually have and you're going to, you know, sell that. And whenever the price goes up, then you can, well, it's it's a te- technical thing. Maybe you should check out that thing. We're going to link it that Mark uh, mentioned. Um, but basically what they did is like, you know, beat there at their own game um, to just make that, that price go way up, um, which made them lose a lot of money, literally billions of dollars. Um, making suddenly those hedge funds go bankrupt. Um, and GameStop was like suddenly way up, I think, in the top something of uh, the most valuable companies uh, at some point uh, very fast. Um, so that was, that was well, fun. I'm, I'm not sure. It depends on who you ask, probably. But it was at the very least very interesting to see that this is something that you can do. Um, and it's also very funny that, you know, all the investors and people in stock markets are suddenly very angry and technically it's probably illegal like steven says but on the other hand it's you know it's something that they are doing uh maybe not at this scale but it's something that they're doing by their rules um and whenever they're making money then everything is fine but whenever they're suddenly losing money then it's like oh this is outrageous you can't do this um so i'm i'm kind of interested in seeing how this will continue and how this will shape or form the future world uh, of this because i can only imagine that this kind of stuff will be happening more and more yeah um i think it will be interesting to see um so from what i gathered in the podcast that i mentioned before and also some reading on the interwebs uh, i think it was also a bit of a unique kind of situation Uh, i think that company as you mentioned it sells games in the mall and so some investors thought that uh, has got no future and they shorted the stock so they bet that the stock price would go down or that the company would go bust and um, it actually turned out that the company was doing a decent earnage so it was actually doing quite okay and it was like one of the undervalued stocks on the market so there was like some precondition that was in favor of the people saying that shorting this stock is uh, maybe not the best option but i still think it's quite interesting that you can see the power of the internet at work and the little man beating the big company at its own game so yeah from from a distance it was fun to watch but i i am also interested in what will follow this if anything will follow from it and steven is just hearing this all from the background yes Mm -hmm. i was listening in on you guys in the (laughs) background because i had backgrounded myself um this is this is the best segue we we might have ever done. <laughs> yeah, we, we top top five, top five. Yeah, top yeah, five. Definitely. Okay, so as I mentioned in the intro, we were talking about backgrounding your apps, and and I think the the first question is why would why is it so important? I mean, why do we have to background our stuff? Well, Stephen, um, I think one thing that everybody at one point might like to do is have something run on your phone while you're not actively using it. And some of those, yeah, I mean, for example, I like to listen to music 
while not having to have the app open that I'm listening music to. I might uh, have a another app in the foreground open doing other stuff. That might be browsing the web. Uh, it might be... Is there anything Searching else? for cat gifs. Searching for cat gifs. Thank you. Yes. So I put playing my snake. inspiration music on, playing snake, all the fun stuff. And so some things you just want to have it run in the background. Now, the thing is, though, when you think about a mobile device, it is not really running on the power socket 24-7. So usually you charge your phone in during the night, you use it during the day, and so it runs on a battery. So the operating system of a phone, it might be iOS or Android, it usually tries to preserve the battery as good as it can. So it will try to have every excess of power drainage shut off as quickly as it can. And that is in some theory, like the counter thing that you are just trying to achieve with your app running in the background. So it might be that you have a news app, which would like to sync the news in the background, or it might be that you have developed some IoT application that you think, hey, why not run this on my Android phone? And it can then collect all the data in the background and just send it up because my phone has got all the chips in there to connect to Wi-Fi, to Bluetooth, and to and the interwebs. Uh, so those are like scenarios that you then want to do. And that's what you want to run in the background. So I, I remember iOS. It it notoriously had no opportunity or no no ability to uh, see all the open apps or, or do that whole multitasking thing, right? I mean, I think it's it's been around for a while now, but back <laughs> in the day when they announced it, it, it was like Android has this for years already, and now you come up with it. It felt like they were kind of behind actually on that. But yeah, it's I, I know you're right, but it has been in there for a long, long time. Uh, we'll get our research department on that. Yeah, once again, we're old. <laughs> we're old, we're old. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, but uh, you're right. And I think still it's kind of like a um, more of like a psychology thing for people because I think the memory management also with open apps, open foreground apps is actually pretty good. Um, so you don't have to worry about that. But I see people very, um, very much still close all their apps that they, that they have in order to um, make their battery life better so um i don't know but anyway uh that's definitely true but one thing that is kind of more recent is um that you can actually see more and more um that which apps are using that energy so you have to um you can get into those settings and you can see how many um percentage is taken up by which app um, so you can actually see which app is is power hungry, um, and and you can shut it down, inst- uninstall it, or do whatever you want with that. Um, so you know that at least people have some idea. I think on macOS you have it too, uh, maybe a little bit longer already. Um, so there's there's coming more and more of like uh, you know at least people um, gaining the knowledge of of why things are happening, um, and I think that brings us to the point where. Um, well, it does, this doesn't really bring us to the point, maybe, but I still want to talk about it. So <laughs> running on a battery, Mark already said it, and background services, you know, we can't get around it. So I think if we stick to iOS, there's still um, only a couple of services that we can actually run. So there's you can't just go out and do everything. Um, so it's not really encouraged by the OS to do those kinds of things. Um, I think... 
Um, for iOS, you can do mostly like the, the obvious things um, whenever you're using a GPS. So um, I'm getting the coordinates for some kind of navigation app. That is something that you can do. Um, and that will be the main thing, playing music like Mark mentioned already. Um, and I think a lot of the stuff with the data refresh uh, for iOS also happens with like push notifications, right? Um, so I think you can send a silent push notification just to trigger some data update. Um, and I think, I, and I'm going to stop talking here because I'm, I'm just talking on and I've given a lot of input for you to hook into. But I think you, always Facebook. It's always Facebook that has these weird <laughs> bugs, air quotes, uh, in their apps uh, that do things that should, they shouldn't do. Uh, but I think they, they are just trying to find loopholes in the OS and, and the guidelines and whatever for iOS and Android to, um, you know, do as much stuff in the background as as they want to. Um, so those apps are also, I think, uh, notoriously power drainers. Uh, do you have any experience with with one of those? Or, Well, I think it's uh, an interesting point that you brought up there with running in the background and, and refreshing data. Um, there are some different aspects that you might want to look at. So you set push notifications that you could use to run in the background. Uh, I remember working once on an app where we try to upload data. It, it you can think of Dropbox or OneDrive or Google Drive, something similar to that. And there the challenge was you want to upload the, the data as quickly as you can, and you also want to be able to do that in the background. And sometimes when you've got like some larger data blocks, uh, like images, uh, video files come to mind here, they, they are larger. You can also maybe have some proprietary uh, data format on your phone that you want to sync in regular intervals you run into a bit of a problem there because you can have a background fetch update on iOS and that will run every now and then, but it could be like it runs once a day, maybe when you plug it in at night and it charges, but you want to have this really nice usability for the user. So if I take a photograph on my phone, I want to have it uploaded as soon as possible. So that means I want to be really controlling when this background operation happens. And those, I think, I think are also some different kind of scenarios. And usually what you end up doing on iOS, you end up to hook into the location notification change. Now, there are different ways how you can do that. Uh, so you can have a course location change, or you can have like fine-grained location change, as you mentioned before, Gerald. So if I'm building a, a app that tracks me while I'm running, or that's like a GPS application when I'm driving, you want to have a very fine-grained location going on there. But if you're simply interested in uploading data, uh, you will you will not care where the user actually is. You actually even would like to not even have to hook into the position, but just say, dear OS, please just upload me. But uh, the last time I did this on iOS, uh, there was no real way how I could just say, I'm just interested in uploading uh, a lot of stuff in the background. You had to hook into these course location changes to have the app running again and again in the background. Yeah, I think uh, what you're saying is, is correct. It runs on the background fetch, like you said. And you can do some sort of like ad hoc job type of thing um, or, or maybe even a schedule job. However, those are very limited in the time they give you. So on iOS, for example, I believe it's it's 30 seconds and that's it. Do whatever you need to do in that time frame and be done or else Apple will make sure that you're done. Um, so in our current, in the app we're building for the company I'm working and working at, um, we are also having a problem kind of where uh, someone 
uses a device which is not their personal device. It's a it's a shared device, so to speak. Um, they perform a lot of tasks, some of which might be without any internet connection. They get back uh, in the office or in wherever they give the device back. They um, well suddenly fall into Wi-Fi range, so the thing should start syncing all sorts of stuff. Um, but they typically also just log out and put the thing in a in a locker somewhere. So you're unauthenticated, your app is backgrounded, and it should somehow sync all that data. That is a fun fun, fun challenges fun, fun challenge. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm not even sure if we can fix it, but we're we're trying to figure something out. But like you said, iOS is definitely. Uh, way more basic in in what you can do and that's the fun thing right so we're trying to be these mobile developers and we're still targeting android and ios mostly uh, but also between those two systems and then if you mix in a couple of more platforms then it's going to be even more fun but even between those two platforms uh, there is a difference in how this background stuff is being handled right because on android you actually have kind of like services or something, right? That you can create. I think you have a little bit more freedom there on what you're running in the background and you still probably have some kind of restriction. So usually for Android, what happens is kind of, now that I think of it, it's kind of funny. For Android, it's you could do all the things basically forever. And now they're trying to get things a little bit more tightened so you can't do anything anymore. Uh, and for Apple, it's going the other way around. You couldn't do anything and they're opening up more and more. So how's that? I mean, that just occurred to me right now, right here on this episode. Um, but yeah, I, I think on Android, you have a little bit more freedom still to write these background services, right? Yeah, it is fun that you mention it. Um, I remember thinking like, yeah, we've got a background job. Yeah, we'll just take Android, we'll be safe. And it seems like with every new version that's coming out from Android, they are clamping down on the privacy restrictions. And, I th and, and in one way, that's a good thing, right? I mean... On Android, in the early days, you could do some crazy stuff. You could have your camera recording while no app was running. And it sounds creepy, and it can be used in a very creepy way. But probably some person used that Android device to make some application that records something continuously uh, without needing the user to have the app open all the time. And that is no longer really possible, or it's it's a lot harder to do that, and you can no longer hide it from the user, which I think is a good thing, but it, it gets a bit harder. And I generally got more conservative with giving out advice on Android because, well, yeah, when the new version comes along, your advice might be uh, over overhauled and it's no longer possible. But so in Android, you've got like these three models. Um, the, the classic one is the background task. So that's something running in the background without the user knowing. And it's, it's, um, and this is like the area that's getting more and more restricted. Uh, another way that you can do actually quite a lot of stuff. Uh, so we are using this right now in an application that we're developing to track the position of the user. Uh, it's a, it's an enterprise app and we use the foreground task because you can use that also in more modern or like also in the latest versions, you got fewer restrictions, but the user will notice that you're doing something. So in case of this, you will have like a notification popping up, uh, which the user cannot really dismiss. And uh, another fun fact is uh, 
on some devices, I mean, on Android, this really depends, but when you run in the background, you mentioned that way at the beginning, Gerald, that some OSs will uh, show, let you show how much which app drains. On Android, on certain platforms, the user will get warned about the app which is draining the most battery, like, hey, this app here is draining a lot of juice. And it, I think it depends on the kind of app that you're writing. If you're writing one which is for public-facing customers, that's usually a red flag, and you then go back to the drawing board and try to optimize your energy consumption there. But yeah, that's uh, my knowledge from the Android space. Okay, so like I mentioned, we are cross-platform developers, and this stuff is hard because there's a lot of differences, there's a lot of restrictions. Uh, but I, I feel that we cannot go on talking about this, and I, I'm, I'm going. I'm feeling I'm turning into a dead end here, but I still want to mention it, uh, which is Shiny by Alan Ritchie. I think that is a great library to do a lot of this stuff. Uh, I think he also feels that it's some kind, sometimes misunderstood um, how it's supposed to be used. Um, and to be honest, I have never used it. Uh, there, that is where the dead end comes in because I, I, I know for kind of a fact that Stephen hasn't really used it too. So, Mark, you're our only hope. Well, um, I'm really sorry to disappoint you that one. I. I haven't used Shiny in, in my apps, but I have used a library that should be included soon into the Shiny library, and that's uh, for Bluetooth tasks. Uh, so there is a, it's based on reactive extensions. So if people follow along on the show, they might know that I have uh, a soft spot in my heart for reactive extensions. I've also read about some background task stuff that you can do with Shiny. Uh, I. I read about them, but I never really then, after reading about them, had, again, the business requirement to use them. So there's that. But uh, I would definitely recommend the listener, if you're into background tasks, check out that library. I've heard many good things about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that was the thing that I was going to say, because you know, it, it, everyone that is using it is, I think, um, pretty excited about it. So it's it's good stuff. Uh, so I, I we should definitely look into that. I, I'm just recalling right now, we are still building an app that you know uh, changes the pace of that audiobook that you're listening to depending on how fast you're walking. I feel that is a total use case for Shiny as well. So um, we're we're totally going to do that. Yeah, and I think in the end it it will also run into the same problems that we already mentioned. Like iOS is limited. Um, there's not much Shiny can do about that either. But uh, from what I've seen, it, it really tries to make the, the best of it, so to speak, um, to wrap it into yeah, something that exactly. we can use. So it, it, it can't go around the restrictions of the OS, right? But what it can do is take away the pain to uh, have to deal with it in, in different ways per platform and just have yep. a unified API where you can say, I want to run this task. Um, um, this is all just guessing because, like I said, I, I've never really used it. But uh, that's basically what the whole Xamarin is doing, right? Like there are difference per platform and they're providing you with one unified API to um, do all the things from C Sharp and, and just by using that one API instead of having to worry about uh, learning two. So I can only assume that um, Shiny is doing kind of the same thing there. Yeah, and I think it's, uh, you mentioned it before, it's quite tough to do these things because on Android, I think uh, when I read through the documentation the last time, which is a couple of months back, um, 
it all it almost seems seems a bit more polished. You got like a few ways how you can do stuff, and on iOS it it feels like oh, you want to do a phone call? Well, we got an API for that. Oh, you want to play some music? There's an API for that. Oh, you want to do this and that? Oh, there's another API for that. And so that makes developing a library like Shiny, I think, quite a challenge. And I think it's it also shows uh, that you really have to know your stuff uh, when, you, when you do something like that. And I think it's great that there are opportunities like that to hook in. And um, I've been Google binging this thing up quickly, and it it seems like the Shiny library uh, provides you with a way how you can invoke uh, background tasks, and it can also it also allows you to run some scheduled jobs. So you can say, uh, I want to have this thing executed uh, every now and then. And there's also a little disclaimer at the bottom, like uh, be prepared when you run on iOS, uh, because <clears throat> This and that might not run quite as expected, quite as reliably as you want. But as Stephen already said, that's just iOS. You just get used to it and you live on. Yeah, exactly. I think Stephen that we try to use Shiny or maybe something similar to run indeed like some kind of background task where we. Uh, it's all coming back to me now. Where it had indeed <laughs> that that kind of disclaimer. That said, like you know, you can you can schedule your task, but you don't know when it's going to run, how long it's going to run for. Um, you know, iOS yep. will decide whenever that happens, so it's not something that you can really like count on um, to to actually work. Yeah. yeah, but I think that also makes sense if you think of it over a operating system developer. I mean, you want to have your CPU and all your power consumption things like your. Wi-Fi or your 4G antenna chip, 5G antenna chip, as, as dormant as possible. So you also want to batch these background processes together. So with a lot of these uh, operating systems, and with these, I mean, Android and iOS, uh, allow you to do is like hook in your tasks into one of these work schedulers, which will then try to batch them together so that it will run all these draining tasks at once. So it will then only have to fire up these energy uh sucking chips on your device once and not every couple of milliseconds yeah so like like you said those those people making all the the devices are trying to make them as energy efficient as possible and here comes mark with his app sucking it dry in in two (laughs) minutes because he's pinging locations and backgrounding everything he can um so yeah i i can see the the standpoint that they're basically trying to protect you from yourself a bit. Um, and there's always obviously some some middle ground somewhere in between, like you already mentioned, Android is scaling it back, iOS scaling it up. Um, I hope we find some more common middle ground at some point at least. Um, but Mark, you, you already mentioned it, I think somewhere along the way, because we, we also had at some point years ago, we were building an app that was meant to... Um, use Bluetooth to discover other people around using that same app. And I think you mm-hmm. just mentioned Bluetooth already. Um, yeah. So how, do, how does that all come into play here? Because that's that's also backgrounding, right? I mean, it's doing all kinds of magic. Yeah, you can you can do... I think we, we could do an entire show just on Bluetooth. I mean, it's, uh, it's something you love and hate at the same time. But uh, with Bluetooth, or better said, with the Bluetooth low energy uh, part of Bluetooth, you get ways how you can define these beacons. Uh, on iOS, they're called iBeacons. 
and they are like yeah like a thing that pings out in regular intervals that hey i'm the beacon so and so you can have your phone running as a beacon so if you want to have an app that detects uh, another app running close by you could either um, have the phone acting as a beacon or you can also hook your app into a certain beacon signature so it will get woken up whenever it goes close by and you can you can have different scenarios so what you could do is you could have a, a little uh, iot device at the entrance of a store um, those are the things before covid which we would go to and then walk into so you would be in close proximity to people and a store and then whenever you get into close proximity it would then send off uh, a notification on your phone welcoming you and you could then also do some background compute while you were running up on off this uh, notification what's that what's that how you did it back in the day well in the end we didn't go through with it like the entire project <laughs> but hey this is too hard i'm not gonna do it <laughs> next time just give me a call yeah <laughs> now we we also we looked into the bluetooth low energy bits um but i we also were trying to use xamarin and it was just in the end there wasn't a lot available yet for mm. it like a, a library or something um so that meant we had to either roll it ourselves, which we didn't have the the capacity or the yeah just the knowledge to to go that deep into Bluetooth and how that all works. So in the end, I think we uh, we pulled it because of it. But yeah, it's, if you I mean these days you got some really nice libraries if you work with Xamarin for Bluetooth, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's quite a a challenge to get a cross-platform library up and running, uh, going above all the differences and then having a stable running thing going on because uh, the implementations, they differ a, a, a tiny bit from platform to platform. And those are the, the fun bits, which you then can lose a few hours while trying to figure out how this thing or was implemented. Or years of your life or yeah, maybe gray hairs. Yeah. Mm. You could go bold now, but um, you, you said you said Bluetooth or energy. I mean, that's I think that's one of the parts which uh, you can do, but um, it's also quite specific. I mean, you usually need some kind of beacon somewhere installed. Uh, another one that is, uh, I think, not maybe the most common scenario, but which I know you can do on iOS to run in the background is doing calls like those voice over ip calls usually so you can think of all the messenger apps that you have installed on your phone and usually all of them also provide you with a way to make a phone call and good thing is you can make that call put the app into the background uh, on ios you'll get a nice bar or some dots somewhere telling you you're actually online uh, but you can then look up uh, the street address that your friend just sent you or you can uh look up on the interwebs where you wanted to go to or i don't know play snake look at even suggest look at before. yeah look at cat gifts something like that yeah. cat gifts i can uh, i can get behind okay but we've talked now about a lot of things that we can't do there's a lot of restrictions there's a lot of stuff that you want to do but we can't do is there so if we want to use any of this what what are our possibilities so 
apparently we can't use our thousand dollar android and ios phones what are they even good for if they're that expensive should we do other devices are there other ways to do this what what how do we do this well i think in general speaking you can actually do quite a lot in the background you just have it's just a bit more complicated than you would think at the beginning so if you are coming from a desktop or server environment you just fire up a service that will run in the background and you're done it will just run on mobile devices you have to dig a bit deeper into the documentation to find out how you could register such a thing. And some of those things, they they work a bit differently. So usually you don't have a service that starts up. I mean, on Android, you can do it, but on iOS, what you usually do is you register a piece of code that will get invoked from time to time from another service, like uh, we said before, geo position changes. And so you can actually even look in the, you can have a, a number uh, where you can see how much time you still have left to spend in the background until you get your next fix from a background notification service so your app can run a bit longer. And there are some limitations, like uh, if you want to power your phone background service from push notifications, as we have mentioned before, there is a limit to that. So at some point, uh, Apple will go and say, you've uh, sent too many push notifications in the past couple of hours, uh, we will we will uh, put some speed limits onto that. And those are just some things you have to keep in mind when implementing these. And I think in, in our show notes, we, we obviously prepare this kind of stuff. Because we're professionals. We are so professional. We we have all the things prepared. Yeah, even the segues. Even the segues, yes. <laughs> we write them out like word by word. Mm-hmm. Ums, periods, everything is... is yeah. The stutters. There. Everything. The stutters, yes. It's, it's quite hard work. We just, let's just say that. But we were at background services before I interrupted you. <laughs> so yeah, the the thing is, if if you have this, this app that should primarily run in the background, we kind of concluded nothing is certain. Um, but what if I if I need certainty? There there needs to be some kind of solution here because I have this phone, it's it's super awesome. Surely it can do something. Um, to to at least give me some certainty that what I put on the background actually gets done, or should I should I just start looking in in a different direction, toss away the phone, just do something else? Well, um, I, I, if you toss away your phone, you can toss it in my direction. I'll be happily taking care of it. I Yours think is better phone, than mine. Well, you never you know you got to have them all. You got to have them all. Uh, yes. No, but I think yeah. We mentioned it at the beginning of the show. A mobile phone was made to carry around with you to optimize that battery that is in there. Uh, batteries are still the number one first world problem. They just never seem to last long enough. And keeping that in mind, if you have some appliance that has to run all the time in the background, be uninterrupted, there just might be better solutions out there for that. I mean, you're now talking of a classical internet of things scenario where you've got some measurement device that should just record that thing and send it up to to a cloud or some backend or some centralized server on premise and there are better operating systems that were designed to do that task i mean you could roll your own operating system or just have nothing if you run on a super small infrastructure or super small chip or you could use your windows or your linux device because they have these things called 
uh, you have the Windows services, you have the daemons on, on Linux, and they were designed to do exactly these tasks. And they will not get in your way and say, oh, you want to save some battery on that. <laughs> yeah, so basically, bottom line, if you want real backgrounding, nonstop, don't use a phone. And that kind of makes sense, right? So I think you maybe need to also come up with ways to get around that. Maybe, you know, pass the data that is needed to some kind of other service that can actually then do the background uh, work for you. So I don't know what, what use cases you might have. Sometimes you, of course, you need to transfer something, but uh, maybe generating thumbnails from an image because you need multiple versions to show different things. Then that is something that you can offload from your phone, just send that image to um, the backend and have that process in the background, your uh, thumbnails and maybe download that back or something. I don't know if that's just something from the top of my head. So, you know, just, just come up with smart ways to um, see if you can offload your actual background processing to um, some other system, I guess. So I think with that, we will wrap up this episode on background tasks on mobile devices. And we've been your hosts, Stephen Tavison. Gerald Flows. And Mark Alibon. And let us know what your experiences were with backgrounding. Did you try Shiny? Did you like it? Um, do you have additional solutions to our problems? Don't hesitate to reach out to us on Twitter at NullPointers.io. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And until next week on NullPointers. Pointers.